Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, drug overdose deaths are up significantly in Minnesota, a preview of the fishing opener, and part two of our spotlight on Minnesota nonprofit Boulder Options. But first, this week at the Minnesota Capitol was all about COVID and state budget, as MNN's Bill Werner tells us. Governor, we, we, you need to give us a chance. We really need to be given a chance to open up our places to capacity. What turned up pressure from interest groups was Governor Tim Walz's comment late last week. The touchstone place is is state fair. Everything looks to me on the horizon and where the vaccine is going and the way that the virus is responding, that that should be a pretty close to normal event. The governor is saying we'll have a pretty close to normal state fair. And if that's the case, my goodness. It's clear the emergency is over. Said House Deputy Minority Leader Ann New Brindley as Republicans called on Walls to set a clear date for totally ending his COVID emergency powers. Removing restrictions on schools, businesses, places of, of, of public accommodation and youth sports, those mandates should all be lifted and then eviction moratorium. Said Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. The governor said... I think Minnesotans should start assuming that they're going to have a very normal-looking summer. And on Thursday, he announced his three-step plan for ending COVID restrictions in Minnesota. We're going to ramp up, step up, and put our foot down on the gas on the vaccinations. The end the statewide COVID-19 restrictions by May 28th, and we'll drop the state uh, mask mandate by July 1st, or if we can hit 70% vaccinations. The governor says outdoor events would be the first to see the end of restrictions. That happened at noon on Friday. No capacity or distancing outside at outdoor events. No mask requirements for outdoor venues smaller than 500. Meaning if you're at a large stadium like the Twins game or the Saints game or at a music festival, you'll still be wearing masks till we hit that 70% or till July 1st. Mandatory closing times for bars and restaurants ended. Indoor restrictions were eased. Most indoor restrictions Restrictions will end May 28th in time for Memorial Day. Hospitality Minnesota President Liz Raymer says the governor's timeline for ending COVID restrictions is cause for celebration after a very difficult year. It's a big day for this industry to hear that news. It's been a long time in coming, really. You know, this industry over the past 60 weeks, really the operators and their employees enduring uh, lots of personal and professional sacrifices. Raymer said brighter days are ahead, urging Minnesotans to support local hospitality businesses as soon as possible. But Senate Republican Majority Leader Gazelka says with the progress Minnesota has made in vaccinations, COVID restrictions should end immediately. He says some health community leaders offered a compromise. Anybody that's had a vaccination uh, does not need to wear a mask right now. That came from the health community, and so it was an opportunity to to find a compromise that, uh, unfortunately, the governor missed. Walls responded his job is to keep Minnesotans safe and navigate the state through an unprecedented pandemic. The politics of COVID has overshadowed a lot. That's not a time for this today. Minnesotans have worked hard. They deserve to have some, some joy and look to the future, and um, 
My job now is to get back in there and, and continue to finish this thing off and work with them on a budget. Republicans want Walls to relinquish his emergency powers, which would immediately end COVID restrictions. How much that demand factors into end-of-session budget negotiations remains to be seen. But Senate Majority Leader Gazelka did say about the governor's latest rollback of COVID restrictions. I had a number of conversations with the governor, but frankly not one thing that uh, I recommended was adopted. And as lawmakers and the governor try to agree on a state budget so the legislature can pass it before the deadline one week from Monday, Gazelka says Democrats need to put federal stimulus money on the table in negotiations. If there's not offers using federal stimulus money, that's the $2.6 billion of extra money that we could use in many of our budget categories. It, It will be more difficult to get done. At least as big a sticking point is Democrats' plan for a tax increase on the wealthiest Minnesotans and large corporations. They say it's needed to help those who have suffered economically during the pandemic and to make investments for the future. Republicans respond they will not raise taxes with a state budget surplus and billions of dollars in federal money coming in. In other notable areas of this week's budget negotiations, Republican Senator Bill Ingebrigtsen from Alexandria threatened there will be no money for state parks and environmental programs after July 1st unless the Walls administration drops its plan for new clean cars emission standards. The governor's response... The idea that you would shut down government, shut down funding, because we're doing what 15 other states and most of the rest of the world has already done doesn't really make any sense to me. Senate Majority Leader Gazelka later softened Republicans' demand, saying they don't want clean cars emission standards implemented, but are willing to wait two years to see what the industry does. You already see manufacturers moving towards electric cars. Why force people into them before they want them? Tense moments this week between negotiators over police reforms in a bill the Minnesota House passed, which are not in the Senate's public safety funding bill. New Hope Democrat Cedric Frazier. I live about less than seven miles from you, Senator Limmer. I shop in some of the same places. I even worship at the same uh, religious establishment as you as well. Uh, We live in the same Minnesota. But I got to tell you, I do absolutely experience this Minnesota differently than you do. In a large part, is because of my skin color. Republican Senator Warren Limmer from Maple Grove responded, Frazier doesn't know him well enough to say that he approaches community issues differently. I would hope that you would keep personal comments out of a public policy discussion, especially making conclusions on how I look at particular issues. Governor Walls has basically said police reforms will be part of end-of-session budget negotiations. But the question is, would he risk state government shutdown to get them? Scott? Thank you, Bill. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. 
Throughout the state, Minnesota Electric Co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person, and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The state health department this week released preliminary data showing that drug overdose deaths were up by about 27% in Minnesota last year, and more than 1,000 people died from drug overdoses statewide in 2020, compared to 792 in 2019. I spoke with the health department's Mary Delaquil and Sam Robertson about this troubling trend. I guess for me, the biggest takeaway is that what's happening in Minnesota is pretty much mirrored in the rest of the country. And as far as what's happening here in Minnesota, it looks like for the most part we're seeing uh, an increase in overdose deaths. Um, If you don't mind, share some of the data with me in terms of what that means specifically for uh, certain drugs throughout the state. So the majority of Overdose deaths in Minnesota have more than one drug on board. It's very, it's much, um, it's much rarer for someone to die of just one drug on board. If you look at the preliminary report, you can see that synthetic opioids, which basically includes fentanyl and all fentanyl related synthetic opiates, um, that's pretty much the main driver of the increase. And in terms of what we would attribute these increases to, what are we looking at? Obviously, we had to deal with uh, COVID-19 over the course of the last year. Uh, You know, is that the only reason or are there more that we can uh, come up with? I think that's something Sam can speak to better than I. Sam, do you have thoughts on that? Hi, Scott. Um, that that's a great question. So I think that um, I think that while we can't definitively say what is impacting the um, drug overdose rates in Minnesota, I think that it is fair to say that um, you know this large increase is certainly overlapped with the COVID nineteen pandemic, and also likewise nationally. So I think it's fair to say that there is um, that there may be some impacts from the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, impacting um, people uh, receiving this re- the treatment and recovery supports that they need um, reg- uh, to prevent overdose. And so I think that is one thing. I think that another thing that Mary hit on that is really key is the um, increase in the increase in uh, fentanyl related overdose deaths and um, really working to get the public health message out there that um, you can you never know what is in your illicit drug supply um, and that um, you should always assume that it may have fentanyl in it. 
opioid and other drug overdoses is something that state health officials and state law enforcement officials have been uh, working with quite some focus over the course of the last several years to try and prevent. So how are we seeing the numbers go up with all of these uh, prevention methods in place and, and, and more even forthcoming? You know, that's a really that's a really great question. And it is, uh, you know, in the world of prevention, it is really, really difficult to measure uh, measure the impacts of prevention. But it is um, important to remember that without prevention efforts, this these numbers could look even um, even even worse. Um, however, we are working really closely with uh, community and faith organizations across um, across the entire state uh, to strengthen pre- preventions efforts. Uh, we work with uh, we work with local partners across the state to uh, provide uh, effective linkages to care to people with substance use disorder um, in a culturally responsive manner, as well as um, working harder than ever to get uh, naloxone also known as Narcan, in the hands of people at risk for opioid overdose as well as their loved ones. And Sam, you mentioned obviously people don't necessarily know what they're getting when it comes to illicit drugs that they may be taking. Um, do you have any advice for listeners out there or for, for family members uh, or loved ones of people that might be struggling with drug addiction or abuse? Um, where can they turn if they're desperate right now? That's a really great question. So uh, people people who are suffering from substance use disorder and their families, um, it is important to know that, uh, especially now that we're one year into the pandemic, uh, substance use uh Local organizations that serve people with substance use disorder with treatment, recovery supports, and harm reduction services are essential and open and available uh, to people uh, who are suffering from substance use disorder. And so even during the COVID-19 pandemic, these services are available to people. um, And there are... uh, there are resources online uh, through the Minnesota Fast Tracker for people to find uh, substance use disorder resources in their area. And, Mary- and if I could add to that real quickly, Scott, yeah. also on knowthedangers.com, which is a collaboration between like the Department of Human Services and MDH, there's also a lot of information on that where people can turn. And we're going to have a much stronger presence on that website shortly. Good so to know. Knowthedangers.com. Thank you for that, Julie. Uh, Mary, I was going to ask you, we've got this information, we've got the numbers here. How do we use that information uh, in prevention efforts moving forward, whether it be from a law enforcement standpoint or from a legislative standpoint? How, what do you do with this information? Well, I'm really the person who just analyzes the data and gets the information together for exactly what you said, for prevention efforts, for policymakers but that's not my field of expertise. I just um, try to provide the best data as quickly as I can so that they can use it to make good decisions for all Minnesotans. Thank you to my guests, Mary Della Quill and Sam Robertson with the State Health Department. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's like Christmas for anglers. The countdown to next Saturday's fishing opener is here. MN's Tasha Radel has more. 
That's right, Scott, and all signs are pointing to a busy start to the 2021 fishing opener and season. At last check, license sales are up about 12% over 2020 and 58% over 2019. Among all types of licenses available, over 286,000 licenses have been sold by May 1st, compared to over 255,000 at this point last year. As of now, it's the fastest start to Minnesota fishing license sales in at least the last 21 years. Joining me today to talk about next Saturday's opener is Nancy Stewart with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Nancy, following this year's ice out on lakes and rivers, how are the state's public accesses looking as we head in to next weekend's opener? Actually, really good. Um, It's been a great spring for us. Um, So we have our, pretty much have our 1,685 DNR managed access sites ready. Um, You know, I think actually most of them are ready now even. So our normal, you know, kind of goal date is fishing opener. But um, with the great weather we've had, we're good to go. Will we again see DNR representatives at the accesses educating anglers on aquatic invasive species? Yes, of course. Um, The, uh, you know, watercraft inspectors um, are definitely going to be out on site, um, you know, just helping remind boaters to uh, prevent you know, the spread of aquatic invasive species with the clean, uh, drain, and dispose uh, rules. Um, And yeah, just be respectful. They're there to help. Nancy, I know the past year has been pretty unique due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Moving into this year's fishing opener, is there anything anglers should be watching for? Yeah, and I think boating is like, it's one of those things that's sort of naturally socially distanced. Once you're in your boat with, you know, people you know or, or are part of your family, you, you're you're sort of separated from others already. Um, and we just know that our outdoor facilities have just been vital to ensuring, you know, people, you know, have that physical and mental health, you know, reduced stress uh, type situation. So um, it's just been important for us to make sure those facilities are open. So no changes, just, you know, be respectful of others on the on the dock and when you may have close contact. I know you folks there at the DNR always remind families to put safety first before hitting the water. I think it's safe to say lakes and rivers are going to be extremely busy over next weekend's opener. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it can be really, really busy and so patience. Um, I know sometimes at the boat ramp, um, you know, it can be a little uh, trying when someone's taking a long time to launch a boat, Um, but, uh, you know, just patience or or lend a helping hand if they need it. Um, A reminder that when launching the line to launch or retrieve a boat forms on the land with the vehicles and the trailers and not with the boats waiting um, on the water. And so that sometimes can be a point where people uh, get it wrong. And then the water is still cold, so making sure you have life jackets readily available just in case. Nancy, I know a lot of anglers are getting their boats out of storage uh, after the winter. I'm guessing you're encouraging families to make sure they're ready to hit the water. Yes, um, all those pre-season, you know, checklists of, of making sure your equipment is, is ready and working and um, and current registration. I, 
I know there's been delays, but as long as you've applied for it, you're good. And applying online has been a, a really good way to go for those. Thanks again to my guest, Nancy Stewart, with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. For more information on next weekend's fishing opener and season in general, you can head online to dnr.state.mn.us. And before I turn it back to you, Scott, here's a little fishing fun fact. Minnesota has over 5,000 fishable lakes and 18,000 miles of fishable streams and rivers. Back to you. Thanks, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Quitting smoking or vaping can be difficult, and it can be even harder during times like these when stress is often higher. Finding healthy ways to manage that stress without nicotine is important. For Minnesota residents who are ready to quit smoking, vaping, or using smokeless tobacco, Quit Partner is ready to help. Through a family of free programs, Quit Partner offers free support like one-on-one -on -one coaching, emails and texts, educational materials, and Quit medications like patches, gum, and lozenges delivered by mail. In fact, a mix of Quit coaching and Quit medications can help double a person's chances of quitting. No matter what support a person would like to try through Quit Partner, it's always judgment-free. And now that Minnesota has raised the legal sales age for tobacco to 21, residents may be looking for quitting resources now more than ever. To learn more, visit QuitPartnerMN.com or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Boulder Options is a youth mentoring organization based in the Twin Cities with a branch in Rochester. The past year has been challenging for everyone, including the impactful nonprofit organization. Former Gopher football star Daryl Thompson is the president of Boulder Options. In part two of our feature, Thompson spoke with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm about those challenges over the past year. We're really, really careful, you know, as far as uh, the COVID and the protocols. So in the beginning, we didn't really do anything. It was a lot of this, you know, a lot of Zoom, a lot of um, go to meeting, a lot of Google chats, and um, uh, and then FaceTime on the on the phones. And as we got able to be able got able to meet in person, be you know, mask outdoor and those activities. That was a really big benefit because in the beginning, everyone, everyone liked te technology. They were excited. Oh, my God, I'm meeting over my phone. I'm meeting over my tablet. I'm meeting over the Internet. And then what people were exhausted of it, you know, as soon as it got warm out last year, our participation went from 100 percent to literally zero percent. So um, <laughs> as soon as we could get outside and let our the kids um, you know, kind of run around in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, come to the building and be outside and you could have like there was certain like you could have like two people in the building at a time they had to be apart they had that mask and all these rules and i was like okay and we tape our graduation so i haven't had an in-person graduation for a year i would record, record my comments and then go get them at the uh, at the graduation so we just had to um, just work with the 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 current the cdc and um you know what the what the state of minnesota and we're really lucky with our kind of our legal counsel here at a um with our organization they were kind of helping us guide us to kind of make sure that we could do as much as we could with our families and with our kids. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, you mentioned some of the challenges of uh, the COVID-19 situation in terms of 
uh, you know, getting there uh, and, and being able to, to, to have that, uh, you know, face-to-face contact, which is so important. Um, and we're talking, you know, about mentoring, you know, a lot of young people who are going through some some troubled times. And I think in this case, um, with what's gone on here the last about year now with uh, social unrest, with, um, um, you know, race relations, and there's, you know, there, there's a good number of, of children of color who you guys have helped. How has the year been? How have the youngsters handled it? How have the mentors handled it? And how have you handled everything that is on the plate right now in in um, Minneapolis and, and, and the state? It's been a challenging year, Mike, more than I could have ever imagined, you know, from the from the COVID, um, you know, um, shelter in place, as we, we all learned what that meant, um, to the George Floyd murder, um, to the social unrest. And then, quite honestly, my own family, you know, being a, a black man, having, um, you know, kids of color uh, and my boys um, marching and my well, my daughter didn't she was pregnant so it was like a safety thing more than anything else yeah. uh and my boys were on the bridge when that um when that truck went by and that was one um heart-wrenching moment to hear them and uh you know and then just uh talking to them about it and trying to explain why people hate us you know i don't know why some people hate us and it was a it was a heart-wrenching moment for me to have to tell my son the same thing that my dad told me when i was a kid that some people hate us merely because of the color of my skin, which he just didn't understand. And I didn't understand. And my dad didn't understand. And some, so it just kind of, it hurts, but I, I feel like uh, it's been an awakening um, for us um, as a, as a country and a community. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll move forward in a, in a, in a better, um, better way as a, as a country, because I think it's really, really important that uh, everyone be um, treated equally. Yeah, and certainly in, in kind of a, a an odd way, not a not a preferred way, but it has kind of awakened a, a lot of us in terms of of indeed what what challenges there are that are out there and created. Uh, maybe a new day of activism. Um, you mentioned your sons, in fact, were on that bridge uh, at, at a protest. And um, in, in a sense, I suppose you're very proud knowing that, that you know, you have family that is, is trying to carry a torch and, and make this a better community and their friends and, you know, other people in the sense that, you know, uh, frankly, some of us thought, hey, you know, we're, we're past a lot of where we're at. And now we realize we're not. Um, kind of take me through that part of this as it relates not just to, to your life, but also uh, the organization Boulder Options and the, and the young people that uh, that you're helping? Well, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, you've almost answered the question you know, yourself in the, in, the, in, the, in the question, but I feel like it's a, uh, yeah, very proud of um, our kids, I'm proud of what, uh, what happened in our community. And it, I think there's an obvious um, need for us to, to, to do better and to realize even for quite honestly even myself i'm kind of blessed and have like a little bit of notoriety and i and i'm always just kind of like man i don't really want to like stick my neck out in that like or stick my it's almost like you're sticking your arm out like to grab a bus i'm like i don't really want to do it. it's going to hurt my shoulder i'm just going to wait you know and i'm like no nah, i can't wait anymore you know that was like my boys are like you know we gotta and my my daughters both boys both daughters they're both like vocal like no nah, this isn't cool and my, um, actually my youngest boy and oldest boy, they were the ones that were like, we want to do something. I got a call that night and that was the next day. We all marched and I marched a couple of times and also realized that marching is not easy. 
it's it's actually it's like we're marching we're gonna meet somewhere we're gonna walk there's not really a prescribed like how far we're gonna walk and i quite honestly wore down like two times i was like oh i gotta have tennis shoes on i gotta be like you know hydrated this is not a easy you know end up walking one time eight miles and another time seven miles and i was I had these little like kind of cool boots that I just wear and I thought I walk around all the time in these, but they're not good for seven or eight mile walks. You know, they're meant to like come in and out of buildings and, uh, you know, walk around, walk to the car and all that stuff. Um, One more time, uh, give us the info on the webpage and if people want to help, maybe they want to be a mentor, maybe they want to, you know, uh, help the organization uh, monetarily or what have you. uh, uh, What's the address and how can they help? Uh, Boulderoptions.org and Boulder does not have a U in it and that's the best way to get in touch with us. That's Daryl Thompson, president of Boulder Options. Again, for more information, you can go to boulderoptions.org. They're hosting a fundraising golf outing in Lakeville in June with spots still available. You can sign up on the webpage. You can also find other ways to help and have an impact on the community on that website. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. MNN Station.